Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome back, everyone, to the Aspire Podcast, and I'm so excited to have Randy Russell on the podcast today. Randy, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Oh, you bet, Joshua. Thank you. It's an honor, my friend, to join you. And Randy, I just had the honor of being on your podcast not too long ago, and it's fun to get to flip around on the on the microphones, and I get to listen to your amazing wisdom tonight. And for those who don't know you, I'd love to hear about your leadership journey. You bet. Well, thank you, Joshua. You know, it was great to get to know and learn more about you, and you know, the fact that we've got so much in common. Yep. Because really about serving and helping, you know, as many people as we can. And, you know, fortunately for me, this is my 33rd year in education, started as a teacher, uh, taught at the college and the high school level, really enjoyed that, got into some coaching, Mm -hmm. just like you, and then uh, decided to take on kind of that next leadership challenge, became an athletic director and an assistant principal, did them all, discipline, athletics and curriculum instruction, and then became the high school principal in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, at a pretty young age, had a great run there, and then fortunate to be in Freeman School District, just south of Spokane, Washington, for the last 10 years as a superintendent. And like you as well, you know, Joshua would say that, you know, your parents and the teachers and coaches that we had growing up as a young child and through our formative years had a big influence on us getting into education and Boy, we're so glad we did. So, Randy, I got to ask you the question because, you know, we talked about it when we talked last was, you know, I had someone tap me on the shoulder to kind of say, hey, I think you should be an administrator. Did you have an experience similar to that? Yes, exactly. In fact, his name was Harry Amond, uh, and Harry is uh, a retired educator of over 45 years. He actually tapped me on the shoulder all the way back to being 16. Hmm. So he was a baseball scout with the Philadelphia Phillies. He came from Spokane over to Montana, where I was born and raised, and he was watching us play baseball and basically got to know him through him scouting, and he signed a couple of my teammates. Well, we got connected. He got a chance to get to know us. He helped me come to Washington to go to school and play baseball, and he's been tapping me on the shoulder ever since I was 16, and he's just like a a dad and a great guy and mentor and father figure in my life and really thankful. I've worked for him twice and he's worked for me once, although I kid Joshua that really it was like working for him three times, <laughs> even though he helped me out one time as well. And he's phenomenal. He's 75 years old and he's still serving and working and helping support people on all kinds of different fronts in, in education and outside of education. That's amazing. So it's almost like a, a lifelong mentor that you had over the years to kind of give you that that wisdom and guidance, which I think uh, everyone really needs. So did you have other folks that you sought after, you know, in all those different roles to, to help with your leadership journey? Yeah, for sure. You know, there were a couple other people that were pretty significant. Uh, one was my high school teacher, coach, and librarian, uh, Mr. Rick Baird, who I give a lot of credit to for actually getting into education. Uh, Between my sophomore and junior year, Joshua, I was going to go back to Whitworth and and continue on, get a uh, history and English degree and go to law school. And Mr. Baird uh, and I got together one time during lunch when I went back to Montana during the summer 
And he said, Randy, you're not going to law school because you love kids. You love being around kids and you really should be an educator and a coach and a teacher. So for the next two hours, he told me, Joshua, all the reasons why I should be an educator, why he was an educator. And here we are 33 years later, thanks to Mr. Baird. I want to talk about when you went from teacher, coach to now a principal of a school or administrator. What were some of the, the big aha moments when you first took on that role? Uh, I think, you know, starting out as a teacher, a first year teacher, uh, I was fortunate to have a great student teaching experience with three true master teachers. Mm. And it was more of a collaborative student teaching experience than a sit there, watch and learn or hear the keys. I'll see you in eight weeks. And I think I've always looked back on that, Joshua, as an opportunity to kind of get my feet wet and really learn a lot from mentors and master teachers. And then when you go into teaching, getting connected with a mentoring teacher that's been around, you know, becoming an assistant principal, getting connected again with other mentors. And I've never been afraid to ask questions. I love asking questions. I, I consider myself a lifelong learner. And so I think there's been opportunities all the way through to ask good questions, get great mentoring, and really learn a lot from folks that have been there and done it, who are willing to share. And they want you to be successful in your own journey, which is super important, but they can also help you navigate away from, you know, some of the pitfalls and some of the um, places that, you know, can take you off path. And I think that's happened as a teacher, as a head coach, as a admin and certainly as a superintendent mm -hmm. in our school district we have five superintendents that are connected to freeman over the last 33 years wow. so five superintendents in 33 years mm -hmm. and those four gentlemen so that's harry amond chuck stocker sergio hernandez and bill thurston are part of the freeman superintendent advisory group for myself and we have a freeman superintendent summit once a year where we get together and we talk about everything Freeman and leadership and style and where we're headed as a district. And boy, as you know, it's just super important having great mentors and, and great support people in your life. Yeah, that support piece is amazing. I, I don't think I've ever heard of such a thing. So that's, that's got to be extremely valuable for you, especially when you started that role as a superintendent. For sure. Well, Sergio Hernandez had just retired as the superintendent when I came here 10 years ago. And what I found out very quickly was that there was 33 years of institutional knowledge about Freeman and that all four of those superintendents were heavily invested in the success of the Freeman School District and my success, even though they weren't here and even though they didn't have any kids in school. Hmm. Now, two of them have had grandkids here and one of them still lives in our school district. So. Being able to just pick the phone up and call any one of those four at any time for advice or insights or, hey, can you get together for a cup of coffee? Or I'm thinking about, you know, this, what do you think? Boy, that has been super helpful for me personally and for all the kids and the staff in our school district. So, Randy, I want to know, what was the moment, you know, you're a principal or an administrator. When did you decide, OK, I want to move in advance to the next level? And oh, by the way, I want to be a superintendent. Yeah, that's, that's great. So actually, it goes back to Harry Amond in a way, Joshua, because as I mentioned, he's been tapping me on the shoulder all the way through. So he was the superintendent of the Coeur d'Alene School District, which is just across the border from Spokane. I was an assistant principal, and he had a principal opening 
in district at Coeur d'Alene High School. Student population of about 1,600 kids, grades 9, 12. And he said, Russ, if you come over here and you get this job, not only can you be the high school principal, but you'll also be able to work on your advanced degree. And most likely before I retire, you could do your superintendent internship. So really it was kind of a triple win, become a high school principal, get a chance to work with somebody that I love, admire and respect, and then be able to do the superintendent program. And so that happened. And then when he retired, guess who the very first person was that called me to tell me that the Freeman School District superintendency was open. Your mentor. Harry Amit. Yeah, my mentor. He called me and he didn't say, hey, here's a position. I think you should look at it. You know, this would be a great superintendent. No, he called me, said, Russ, get yourself together. You're going to apply for Freeman. Nice. Yeah. So being able to have somebody like that. Yeah. And, and just knowing you were ready for the challenge, because I don't know, Joshua, if you're ever completely ready you know, to leave, or even if you're completely prepared for that next challenge. But guys like you, myself, uh, are fantastic female leaders that are out there. The ones that are really committed to kids, they want to expand their classroom. And, you know, for us, when we started as teachers, our classroom might've been 25 kids or 150 students. As a principal, you can serve 300, 500, 1600 kids. As a superintendent, you have a, a chance to impact not just every student, every staff member, but the entire community. Mm -hmm. And so being a superintendent is just like being a, a teacher in a classroom, but just your classroom is a lot larger and there's a lot more people connected to it. Yeah, much bigger impact for sure. And I love the piece that you said, like nobody's ready. And I felt the same way, you know, in every role. I never felt ready to be a teacher or, or a coach or an assistant principal or dean of students. And what you said is just, you know, you got to jump in and that's when you start getting your experience and um, I just love that point so much because it's it's very, very true. So now you're in the superintendent role now, and you are in charge of everything, <laughs> which I'm guessing was probably pretty overwhelming at first. So, you know, when you start working with your other leaders, if it's directors or principals within your district, you know, what are you doing to, to help them along in their leadership and, and to make sure that they're being accountable for their things, but then you're also growing them to make a bigger impact on their campus? Yeah, so we're really fortunate. Uh, we've got a team of 18 of us, and uh, it certainly is an opportunity to mentor, influence, and, and give back. And many of us have been together for the entire 10 years. So if you've got our transportation director, Shar, our technology director, Todd, Lisa Phelan, elementary principal, Jim Straw, middle school principal, Kirk, our maintenance director, Debbie, uh, the executive assistant, there has been a large group of us that have been together. You've got Everett and Jody, special ed and transportation. We've all been together, working together, serving together for 10 years. Wow. So there's an extremely high level of trust, an extremely high level of communication. And we all want the same thing. We want to serve kids. We're going to make decisions based on what is best for kids. And that works really, really good, Joshua, because that's your core purpose. Mm -hmm. The only thing that gets in the way of that are the adults, because that's where the challenge is. So I see myself as part facilitator, part coach, part mentor, part cheerleader, um, part counselor, a little bit of everything, right? Because each of your leadership team members and even your school board need different things at, need, at different times. And so you've got to meet your 
school board members and your leadership team members where they're at at that time. And one of the big things that we do in Freeman, I think it's been very successful for us and a lot of people do it, is that we're, we're trying to stay focused on solutions. Mm -hmm. So if there's a barrier or a challenge, that's fine and they're gonna happen, just come with some solutions. Yep. Uh, I think the other thing that's really helped us is when somebody comes to me on our team, I basically ask them, do you just want me to listen or do you want me to help you try to problem solve this? And they are very, very good at saying, no, I just need to vent. I'm upset about something. Do you have some time to just let me kind of rant to listen? Absolutely. Come on in. Or no, hey, I've got a problem. I want to tell you what I'm working on, but I also need your help. And I think by asking them that question, Joshua, it gives them permission to decide where I can be most beneficial and most supportive. And I think we can do this at the kitchen table in a classroom with kids when you're counseling somebody or you're an admin with somebody and it's a super effective tool and it works really, really well for us. And I think our team really appreciates that. It's a solution-based approach with lots of support. I think one of the things I'm most proud of in our school district is in the last seven years, and we're not 30,000 kids like Spokane or a lot of big districts, you know, like a Seattle, we've had three superintendents come out of our school district in the last seven years. And we've got another one that's coming, Lisa Phelan, our elementary principal. She'll be done here in a year and a half and she'll be moving on as a superintendent somewhere. And to be able to say you've had four superintendents come out of a school district our size in eight years, I'm, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. It says yeah. a lot about our team. Yeah, it says a ton. Well, you're obviously building future leaders, not only at the smaller level, but at a larger scope. So that says quite a bit of your district. And it also shows that, you know, you have a low percentage of turnover within your staff. So obviously you're doing something to, to keep that together. But then also I want to know, you know, when you took over, was it folks that were already in the position or is it something that during your interview process, you were really trying to look for certain qualities of people to bring into your organization that you knew would stay for a long period of time? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, Joshua, and I remember something that Harry and Chuck told me early on in my career and then reminded me again here at Freeman. And they basically told me, if you're doing your job in supporting, serving and, and building up your team, your team is going to change. And when they first said that, it was really contradictory in my mind, because I was thinking, if I'm doing a great job as the leader and I'm really supporting you and serving you then you're going to want to stay. Our team won't change. And what I found was that people wanted that next challenge, just like I did. Yep. And so then having a role to support them, Joshua, is extremely important. Yeah. And so our team has changed. We have been able to have this nice balance between these seasoned veterans and new ideas and new perspective on improvement. And it's helped us in our focus on continuous improvement which I think has kept us on the cutting edge because nobody has been getting comfortable and, and certainly not the last couple of years yeah. and really not the last 10 months, yeah. for sure. For sure. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Let's uh, talk about some of the projects you got going on because you are a busy man. 
you've got not only your book, uh, The Three Ships, but then you also got a podcast. So for those who are listening that may not have read your book, let's start there. Will you just give a quick synopsis of Three Ships? Yeah, you bet. Thank you. So I was fortunate to be our state president of the superintendents group here in Washington and two really good friends of mine, Kyle Rydell and Brian Talbot, who are both superintendents, great friends, colleagues, and mentors. We were actually talking about what could be a theme that could pull all of the 295 school districts together, the 1,200 WASA members, and all of the agencies that we work with, from the state office of instruction to your teachers union to legislators, So we were talking about, well, what was this all about? Well, it's really about relationships. It always has been, it always will be. So that was the core. And then we talked about, well, it does come down to people's leadership because everything rises and falls with leadership like John Maxwell tells us. And then the last part of the three ships was, well, we have to work together to really be able to do the best to serve kids. So between the relationships, the leadership and the partnerships, the thing that pulled it all together was the ship or the ships part of those three words. And hence the three ships was born. We used that as our theme, pulled our state together. And then somebody said, well, why don't you write about it? I was like, ah, nobody wants to listen to her or read anything about the book. And they were like, no, why don't you, you you've written a couple articles about it. Go for it. So we did. And, and just, I mean, it's been super humbling, Joshua, to be able to have it, you know, be out there and have People use it for book studies, both in education and outside, use it for training and professional development seminars. So that's a little bit of the story of the Three Ships book. And then somebody said, well, why don't you take it to the next level? Like, well, nobody's going to want to hear about, you know, (laughs) relationships and leadership and partnerships. Well, they do. And, And right now, as we know in this country, especially in education, People need something positive. They need something uplifting Mm -hmm. and they want something that is going to unite people, Joshua, and not divide people. And so hopefully the three shifts is, is something, whether it's a book or the book study or the podcast or whatever that can tell a positive message, unite people and bring something together that is connected to the relationships, the leadership and the partnerships, which again, whether it's at the kitchen table, bus drivers taking kids to school, a teacher with the classroom, a superintendent working with the board, whatever it is, it pretty much boils down to if you have those three things going, you can be a part of something pretty cool and pretty dynamic. Yeah. Well, and you said it yourself. I mean, it's all aspects of life and it could be school, it could be business everywhere. Um, those words are, are so important. And um, anyone that is listening, you need to make sure that you're checking out that book, Three Ships, and then also the podcast. And we'll make sure that those links are in the show notes. Randy, you talked about it several times in just what you're talking about with your book and the podcast, but then also about just where we're at at this time. And so many people are obviously stressed about life and you know our teachers are working harder than ever before i don't know how you're doing as a superintendent with the pandemic but i'm guessing that you know have a high level of stress also so what are you doing for self-care for yourself but then also self-care for your district yeah great question well and thank you for sharing some of the good news around the three ships i think we've been reminded at least in our school district for the last several years that We've done such a great job at taking care of the kids that we've kind of forgotten that we also need to take care of ourselves first. And for me personally, I'm on a mission, Joshua, to do everything I can 
connected to self-care, both for myself and our family, but also I'm never going to be as good as I can be for my family or for our organization if I'm not keeping myself at the top of my own game. And so whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, financially, I mean, all of those are interconnected. Yeah. That if you, you know, are trying to lead from a, a cup that's half full, you're gonna you're gonna run into problems. And I think when we went through the school shooting, you know, that we had here three years ago, I think I've, I'd always done a good job with my self care, but I realized very very quickly that I needed to do a much much better job. And it was a tough you know, three-year run for me. It's been a tough three-year run for a lot of people. And that'll be a, a conversation maybe for another time. But yeah. a part of that was I was challenged that I can either be bitter or I can be better. So based on what had happened with losing my parents three weeks apart and the school shooting and, you know, some other things that happened, this challenge of being better or being uh, bitter. And so choosing to be better is a huge part of that. And I would say that that message resonates today. Oh, People sure. can either be, you know, bitter or they can be better, Joshua. And you can tell a difference between the people that are choosing bitter or choosing better. Mm -hmm. And self-care is a way to choose better. Are you a super fan of the Aspire podcast? Well, now you can show off your support with the new Aspire swag featuring t-shirts, hoodies, and a variety of drinkware. You can find all your Aspire swag at teachbetter.com slash swag. Now let's get back to the podcast. Are you guys full online? Or are you a hybrid or what is it going on with your district right now? Yeah, we've been pretty fortunate. We've been kind of in a slow, steady model of getting more kids back on campus. Our K-5 students are on campus in-person learning five days a week. So that's a huge celebration for us. And then our sixth through 12th grade students are on campus two days a week for in-person, three days virtual. And we're getting ready to take our next step. We're gonna add in some co-curricular activities here in a couple of weeks. We're looking at a way to bring more secondary students on campus. Uh, we've had numerous changes. I think we've had 11 changes, you know, at the elementary trying to bring in K and then one and then two and then three and four and fifth graders, you know, from no days a week to one day a week to two days a week to five days a week. So we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot of things from our failings and things that didn't go well. And I think that's a great message that I know is important to you and I, and probably a lot of listeners is you can learn a heck of a lot about what didn't go well yep. or, or some things that you learned from your failings as much as when it went great. So I'm hoping we can kind of reflect back and look and, and really learn from what went well, but also what didn't go so well, and then use that to get our secondary kids on campus. I do expect that we'll have more secondary students here on campus for in-person learning than we currently have, even as soon as a month from now. Wow. And we're just gonna step it hopefully till the end of the year. Sure. Well, I, I love the fact that, you know, as a superintendent, you're allowing that grace with your teachers, because I know it's it's been difficult for a lot of folks across the country to, you know, provide that online learning experience to their kids and obviously it's a completely different form of learning and things that work in the classroom definitely don't work online so it's it's great to hear that you're allowing your teachers to to learn through that process and potentially you know fail 
and then try again to better themselves and better the learning experience. Thank you. Yeah. For the aspiring leaders that are listening right now, obviously you're doing a lot on your district about building future leaders. So what is it that you're doing to enhance those folks and their skills, but then also those who are listening that may not even have a leadership position, what can they do tomorrow, next week to, to help their leadership journey? You bet. Well, I'm a firm believer that each person has some unique skills and talents and abilities and, and truly is in their own leadership position because leadership is not about the name connected to you. It's about your influence and it's really about impacting students and leaving it better than you found it. So I would say that anybody that wants to help serve kids, anybody that wants to make it better than it currently is, leave it better than they found it. That person has leadership potential and leadership abilities because they have the mindset to serve others. And the more you serve other people, the better you're going to be as a leader. And, And for us, I'm so proud of our teachers, our staff, Joshua, they've done a great job. I mean, really, truly, you know, heroic work as educators, teachers, principals, bus drivers, all of them, secretaries, Paris, I mean, just go down the list. And I think just the belief in people and knowing that this is in them and that they've got it. But sometimes we create our own barriers. We get in our own way. And the old saying, we have found the enemy and the enemy is us. I think that's where a superintendent or an admin like yourself, we can help people move barriers out of their own way by just reinforcing and that belief and that positive messaging. We need you. We need you right now to help serve kids. You've got great things that you can offer to help support the students. Do you know what you're capable of doing? Uh, What I love to see more than anything is one of our paras who is a great teacher. They're great with kids, great with relationships. They know exactly what they're doing. They go back and they get their four-year degree, Joshua, and they go get a teaching job. That is one of the most motivating stories that is out there because everybody is a teacher in a sense. If you're a bus driver, you're a teacher. You just have a classroom that's on a 40,000 pound cheese wagon that's driving (laughs) 55 miles an hour down the road and your back is to the classroom. If you're a custodian, you're a teacher. You're teaching kids how to be able to navigate in and out of their lunchroom or take care of their classroom or their locker or whatever the bathroom or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think our staff has really embraced this idea that they have a very, very important piece of the puzzle here in Freeman and that everybody here is a teacher and educator to serve kids. And boy, that's why I think I think it goes as well as it does here. And I love the fact that they're leading in some capacity, no matter if they're a para or a superintendent. And I hope everyone that's listening has the same thought process moving forward. You talked about our earlier, Randy, as far as, you know, every leader needs to have connections. So how can they connect with you on social media? You bet. Would love to connect with them. Uh, they can reach me on Twitter. Uh, at Randy L. Russell 24. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn at Randy Russell and then through uh, Facebook at uh, RLR Leadership Consulting. And boy, I'll tell you, Joshua, you always want to connect with new people Mm -hmm. because I can learn more from them than they'll learn from me. And this is how we help kind of iron sharpens iron. 
Um, And so would love to connect with any of your listeners. And thank you so much. What an honor, Joshua, to be with you. Oh, honor is all mine. And for anyone that's listening, make sure you're connecting with Randy. Check out his book, The Three Ships, and then also his podcast. So much value in everything that you're putting out. And I just appreciate your time so much, Randy. Thank you for being on the Aspire podcast. Yeah, thank you, sir. Appreciate you, Joshua.